Welcome back, Oakland A's fans, to the Athletics Baseball Podcast with your host, Taylor. I know it's been a long time off the air for me and the show, and many A's fans, many of you out there may have some guess as to why, may understand a little bit where I'm coming from with this, and the main issue for me was... Not how the team is doing, but the Las Vegas news. When that came out, I basically didn't know what I wanted to do with my fandom, with the show, and wanted to take a step back to gather my thoughts and consider what I actually wanted. And I have decided that at this point it is it as far as i'm concerned the a's are probably most likely almost definitely moving but it's also not a certainty so i'll play the let's wait and see card and i'll continue supporting the team this season there's a lot of players that i really that i really like and that i really enjoy watching and think they're great people, and I will continue supporting the team as a fan through this season, and I will continue with the show through the season as well. And essentially, if they do leave, if and when they do leave, then I will have to decide... To what extent, if at all, I would want to remain a fan, and to what extent, if at all, I would want to continue the show. And that may be a continuation on some level, but with a lesser commitment and less frequency from myself, or it could be... It could be anything from a complete scrap to continuing on business as usual, but something tells me I may not be that committed if the team leaves, because it was really a devastating thing for me and my wife when the news broke, which ironically has already is already no longer the focus. And that was about a month ago. And now the A's are looking at a different land site in Las Vegas. So, binding agreement? Apparently not. I just want for the team and the city of Oakland to begin meetings once again. Announce that meetings are back on the table, or obviously plenty of people, myself included, would be perfectly happy with Fisher cutting his ties with the team and moving on, and letting someone else take over with the stadium development project. That does not feel exactly like a realistic possibility to me, so it's not something I'm going to be pinning my hopes on, or talking 
too much about. But that's sort of where I'm at, and I guess now I will just move on and talk a little bit about the team and how the team has been doing. And it'll probably be a somewhat shorter episode than my previous episodes, just first one back and gonna get back into the swing of things. But so far this season is not going extremely well. That may be an understatement. (laughs) The A's are the worst team in baseball right now, and it's not especially close. The run differential is record-breaking so far. That can always turn around, or it can always get worse. And it just seems like it's one thing after another this season with this team. On days that the pitching is going well, the bats just go ice cold. On days where the starting pitching is excellent, the bullpen blows up. On days where the starting pitching is horrible, the bullpen is great. When when the A's offense scores a ton of runs, then the defense just seems to fall apart and lets in free runs to tie the game to give up the lead. It's it's like the team can't be good at more than one thing at a time is what it feels like. And that's a part of baseball is sometimes your bats are really swinging, but they can't outswing the bad pitching or hand-in-hand uh, hand the great offense of the other team. There, there is another team involved, right? Sometimes your bats aren't swinging because their pitching is just too good. So our bad days sometimes are just the other team's good days. But a lot of the times, lately, our bad days have been our bad days. And what sometimes happens in baseball, you know, your offense scores, your pitching lets in a bunch of runs, or your defense lets in a bunch of runs, or you're playing really well on the mound and in the field and you just can't get any hits. But there are a lot of bright spots on the team, Brent Rooker, you can't not talk about Brent Rooker. He is fantastic. No, I don't think anybody expected that he would be, I think he still is, the OPS leader in all of baseball. He is tied for fourth with the most, in, in the most home runs. So he's tied for fourth with 11. He is tied for 11th in RBIs. And... Yes, he is still. I just had to double-check because I wasn't sure if that had changed in the last, I think, two days since I had seen this, but he is still the Major League Baseball OPS leader, ultimately the best offensive player in baseball. And he is not a one-man army offensively because Ryan Noda has been excellent and my predictions for how he would do, I am definitely vindicated. 
as far as Ryan Noda, I was really excited to see him coming into the season, and I would say that he has exceeded what I thought he would do, but his pitches per plate appearance and his on-base are fantastic. I thought that they would carry over very well from the minor leagues, and they have. And he has also shown the easy power that was there in the minor leagues for him and hasn't translated into a ton of home runs because he is, I think, trying to focus on getting on base, setting that table. He's finding himself in the in the top of the batting order pretty frequently in the top couple of couple of spots. And in in using that patience and taking good swings with good contact but not trying to hammer it out of the park, he is finding himself with a lot of easy doubles. So his batting average isn't great, but his on-base is absolutely top-notch. There's really only a couple of guys in baseball that are above him in on-base. He's got a 406 on-base, and he does not qualify for the official hitting stats, but he is he's close. It's not like he's a guy who's only played, you know, 10... 10 games or 50 at-bats or something. He's played 38 games. He's got 98 at-bats. That's a plenty healthy sample size, and that would put him at 11th in the on-base percentage category, and everyone else, well, everyone in the top 25 of on-base percentage has a better batting average than he does. So that means he is walking at a much higher rate than any of these other guys. And that's evident as well. He's got 38 games, 98 at-bats, 27 walks. And when you look at the walk leaders, 27 walks puts him tied for fifth in all of baseball. So, very solid. Very, very solid. And then, obviously, Astori Ruiz who is honestly around where I expected him to be, except having a little bit more success on the base paths than I actually thought, as far as where we're at in the season. Like, if he continues this pace that we're on, then he might have 70, 75 stolen bases. And I don't necessarily expect him to continue this pace either. I don't... I think 70 stolen bases would be a tall order. And at this point, I I am thinking maybe, maybe 50 stolen bases. I had previously sort of thought that maybe he could get 15, 20 home runs and 30 stolen bases. And... So far, he has not hit a lot of home runs. He's only hit one, but that's really not his big selling point. And I think that people were sort of overplaying the power that he's got. I mean, he hasn't demonstrated power, home run power, really, at the big league level so much yet. 
and it's honestly just not what we really need from him. You know, we need the speed and and getting on base, and he is doing fine with on base. His batting average is great with 270, and the 18 steals that he's got. At this point, I would say maybe, maybe we see him hit 10 home runs with 50 stolen bases, and maybe 10 caught stealing. So that would be excellent production from him. His OPS right now is 693, which is sort of where I thought he might end up, some somewhere around league average OPS-wise. And with that value just being augmented by his speed in center field and his speed on the base pass, his high stolen base count, and I think that that's pretty much what we're seeing. Defensively, he has still been making a couple of mistakes in the outfield, but nothing too major or too frequent, and it's obviously worth it for him to be in center field every day that he doesn't need a rest. Another player who has been offensively great is J.J. Blade, and that one took me for a little surprise. I know he was picked number four overall in 2019, first round, fourth pick, but in uh, spring training, I sort of felt like we didn't see as much upside from him as from some of our other outfielders. I felt like, uh, obviously, when you looked at his performance in Miami last year, you would think, okay, maybe he's going to get a little bit better than that. Last season, he had a 586 OPS, and so you say, okay, maybe he could be a league average bat, you know, somewhere around a 690-700 OPS. But he's only played 11 games in the majors so far this year, but... So far, he is over a thousand OPS. He's batting 324, and he's slugging 649 with three home runs in only 11 games. So that's uh, that's really good. And technically, even though it's small sample size, that puts him at I believe the second best hitter on the A's at the moment. But We'll probably see something akin to what we saw with Carlos Perez, who is still statistically great. He he is offensively, he has been great for the A's this year, which was a surprise for me as well. But I think that with J.J. Blade, we'll see a little bit like we saw with Carlos Perez, where in the beginning of the season, Carlos Perez went on an absolute tear, he had an OPS over 1,000 at one point, and he has dropped off to having an OPS of only 869. So still fantastic, probably the third highest OPS on the team. I, I think so. And giving us production that we that I didn't expect at all from our backup catcher, but speaking of catchers, we should also talk about Shea Langoliers. He is 
pretty much where I thought he would be this season. And what I mean is slightly better than last year. His average is up by 16 points. His on-base is up by uh, 58 points, 48 points. And his slugging is up by 5 points. So his OPS is about... It's 53 points higher than last season. He only played in 40 games last season, and so far he's played in 35 games, so it's a pretty similar amount of at-bats that he's had so far, pretty similar amount of plate appearances. Actually, he's at 14 fewer plate appearances compared to last season, and he has one more home run so far than last year. He has... 15 fewer strikeouts, 53 last year, 38 this year, and it's uh, six home runs last year versus seven this year. So we should be looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 25 home runs from him by the end of the season, and he has fixed his, he's improved his strikeout issue a little bit as well got both his batting average and his on-base up, and he has been able to be more productive at the plate. And what's sort of interesting about that is his batting average on balls in play is actually down this year compared to last year. So what that basically means is he is putting the ball in play so much more than he was in order to get this higher production and fewer strikeouts. He's also grounding out less than last year, so improvements in a lot of ways from Shea Langoliers, Jesus Aguilar, he is performing pretty well, 720 OPS for him, and he is slugging the ball pretty well. He's got five home runs so far. And I think that he's been a great veteran presence for the team. And he also, I think that the real reason, I mean, obviously people are like, oh, well, we got him so that we could trade him off at the trade deadline. And that's probably part of it. And if we can get something good for him, then we probably should do it. I think we only have him for one year, Jesus Aguilar. But... The other part of it was, what if Ryan Noda didn't work out? We we would need someone at first base without feeling like we have to rush Tyler Soderstrom up into the majors before maybe he's ready. So a little bit of insurance, and now that we've seen Ryan Noda is definitely working out. Thanks, Dodgers, by the way. Uh, Free excellent first baseman. Now that Ryan Noda is definitely working out, and that we have also shown Jesus Aguilar is somewhat better than last year, 60 OPS higher than last season, well, maybe we shop him around, see what we can get, and then open up a little bit more of a slot for Ryan Noda at first base. 
And we also have other guys who can play first base, like Seth Brown, who can play first base and should be coming back from his strained oblique injury pretty soon, within, I think, two weeks, within a week or two. He should have just started his AAA rehab assignment this weekend. And so if everything goes fine with him, he'll be coming back soon. He should provide some more offensive production as well if he can come back in good form. But he plays outfield and first base. And if we trade Jesus Aguilar, then we can have Seth Brown take over what Jesus Aguilar has been doing mostly so far this season, which is sort of DHing, giving Ryan Noda rest days on first, and Seth Brown can also pop into the outfield when needed as well, but it, it would sort of open up more room for our outfielders to be able to play without having to sacrifice taking an impact bat like Seth Brown out of the lineup. Jordan Diaz has been pretty good as well with a 708 OPS, although that's only in 59 at-bats. He's got four home runs in those 20 games that he's played, and three of them came in one game. So that was a really exciting game for him. We didn't win it still because, again, like I was saying, we, we have a, we're good somewhere, we're bad somewhere else. We let up, like, I think 11 runs to the Yankees in that game, and at the same time, Jordan Diaz was like 90% or more of our offensive production in that game, I believe. So it was just another case of things not clicking as a team, which is sort of something that it that I have felt about this team for some time now, that maybe just uh, culture-wise, clubhouse-wise, things aren't quite clicking. It's it's not gelling. I It's just a, a feeling that I have. But aside from that, we we've been seeing some of the veteran guys that come in, that came in this season. They've been struggling a little bit. Chase Peterson has been the next best behind Jesus Aguilar with a 607 OPS. So quite a bit of a step back compared to last season. Uh 25 uh 30 no 20 25 points worse in batting average, uh, 9 points worse on, on base, and 82 points worse slugging-wise. So, 91 OPS points worse than last season. And he has been one of the better veterans on the team, like I said. Ramon, he's been great with a 723 OPS. He has been offensively impactful through the season. Uh, he was out for a short stint with a little 
little injury, but the other guys that are that are vets on the team right now, Ledmus Diaz with a 462 OPS has just been not good. And, I mean, not good, not good. A 169 batting average, not good. And hate to say it because I, I love the guy, but the same with Tony Kemp, 485 OPS with a 167 batting average. So virtually identical to Oledmus Diaz. And probably the reason why Nick Allen and Jordan Diaz are back up and playing frequently. Nick Allen has been really struggling at the plate as well with just a 373 OPS in the majors this year, which is really frustrating because you put him back down in AAA and he just plays crazy. I mean, a 960 OPS, which screams, I'm ready for the big leagues. I've I've defeated AAA pitching. And then he comes up to the majors and can't hit anything. But Jordan Diaz has, like I said, has been playing well. And I don't know what it is for Nick Allen. Maybe just the the pressure of playing in the big leagues is getting to him or the pressure of not having that success in the big leagues. But I think that what it probably is for Tony Kemp and Aledmus Diaz is, and, and probably to an extent Jace Peterson as well, is the um, the the pitch clock deal and the the lack of the ability as the batter to step out and control the game and and regather yourself and put yourself in a position of readiness or take taking the momentum away from the pitcher. I know that a lot of guys are really struggling with the bat this year that you wouldn't expect them to be struggling this in this way or to this degree. Uh, for instance, Manny Machado, who last season was fantastic. I mean, last year he put up an 897 OPS with 32 home runs, and this season he is below average with a 654 OPS, and his batting average has taken a 66-point hit, his on-base has taken an 86-point hit, and his slugging has taken a 160-point hit. So this this pitch clock thing is really affecting some people more than others, and some, some, some batters more than others, and some pitchers more than others as well, I think. So in that vein, some people who previously were good with these rule changes may no longer be as good as before or maybe they will be able to figure it out and overcome that and right now I don't know what we do with Aledmus Diaz and Tony Kemp other than just hope they figure it out at some point here it might sound to some people like I'm talking as if the A's have a season here or something. They have a shot. I don't know. It's people hear what they want to hear, right? Maybe maybe out of anger even. Like, oh, how could he say 
how could he act like we're a good team when we have the worst record in baseball? But but I am not saying anything like that. I do still think that there is a path to not having a 100-loss season. I don't know how many of you have actually looked through the A's schedule, and I know right now it doesn't seem like there's any hope even against bad teams. Although, we did win the series against the Royals last week, two out of three against the Royals, and we've really had a lot of other opportunities that we just let slip away. But I do think that our schedule was weighted pretty heavily difficulty-wise in the beginning of the season. In June, we've got a couple of series back-to-back against Miami and Pittsburgh, and then we play the Brewers, who are okay, and the Guardians, who have not been very good this season. In July, we play the White Sox, who seem like they have a lot of culture issues of their own and and are struggling to find success as well. The Tigers and the Red Sox, who have not been fantastic. Of course, we've got some we've got a series against the Rockies, four games against the Giants. I I really think that the difficulty of our schedule was weighted more towards the beginning of the season. And around the middle and end of the season is when it sort of lightens up. And we've had a lot of hot starts from teams that the teams that start off really hot, they typically slow down a bit through the season. The teams that start off really cold, they also typically find some sort of groove at some point through the season. So wildcard contenders, we are not. But there is a path for us to not be totally embarrassing, essentially, this season. I really think offensively, we are an unexpectedly good team. And where we really need to improve is the pitching. And astronomically so, if you go by the league statistics. But the fact is, we actually have been making changes to try and find some success. And at some point, it's going to help. At some point, we're going to find a couple of people who can hold their own on the mound. And we've we've seen Kyle Muller step up and show that he can do that at times this year. The same with Ken Waldachuk and J.P. Sears. James Caprellian has had his good days. Paul Blackburn is getting ready to come back from the injured list at some point here pretty soon. And Drew Rosinski, who has not been great, may be able to find something. He's only pitched three games so far this year, so I think we got to give him a little bit more time, a little bit more chance. But the move of Fuji to the bullpen was probably the right move, and 
I know that the A's want to try to use him as the long reliever because he was the pitcher, a starting the starting pitcher until just recently. But I just feel I feel like that's a big gamble, and you know he's got crazy stuff. He can show absolute unhittability for an inning, two innings at a time, but pushing those two innings, I feel like you're really rolling the dice. Maybe maybe he can step into a closing role. He's got the stuff, but Zach Jackson and Sam Mull have both been have both been pretty good. If you take away Sam Mull's one single bad outing on May 14th, the Sunday against the Rangers, where he threw one out and let up five earned runs. If you remove that, then he's had a 2.63 ERA through the season, and he's been one of our more reliable bullpen guys, Zach Jackson, He's sitting at a 2.6 ERA over the season so far. And he was one of our bullpen guys that I was pretty excited for at the start of the season. Other than that, we've sort of just been throwing everything at the wall, seeing if anything at all sticks. We're bringing in all sorts of different new guys from from the minors, from... Uh, different teams, free agents, what we're bringing in anybody that we can at this point. We just called up Garrett Acton the other day, and he's thrown 1.2 innings, his first big league game, 1.2 innings of scoreless baseball. Sam Long, we've been playing Sam Long. He's been not great, but new to the team. He's only thrown nine innings. And Richard Lovelady, who, in his short time with the team, only 9.2 innings. He's been very good, a 1.86 ERA. And then we've got Austin Pruitt, who has only pitched six innings with the A's this season, but has not been great in those six innings. Uh, Super small sample size, but an ERA of six. And... That's what I mean, sort of, you know, we're just throwing everything at the wall. The, you know, Sam Mole and Zach Jackson are, I think, the only bullpen guys on the team right now from earlier in the season. I mean, we've had a couple of injuries. Uh, Danny Jimenez, unfortunate, because I really was excited for him this season, but he is out with a shoulder strain. He's on the 60-day, and I haven't seen any news on him. Adrian Martinez, who was looking so good for us, he was out on a 15-day with an elbow strain, but he's right now on a rehab assignment, so we might see him back pretty soon. And then, uh, Kirby Sneed, Freddie Tarnock, both on the 60-day. Mason Miller on the 15-day, but his uh, his stuff came back negative. I think he just had a little bit of inf- like elbow inflammation, and 
I think that he's going to be fine. He just needs a little rest, and I think we just got to baby his arm a little bit this year. So throwback to all the people that were saying, let him try to pitch the no-hitter full game. Uh, No, because you're going to break him if you do that. You're going to break him. He has not pitched that much professionally since he's been drafted. We got to take it easy on the guy's arm. He's already had a lot of injury issues as he's been coming up through the minors. And Trevor May, I don't know what the latest is on him. I don't know what's going on. He had to take some time for uh, mental health issues, anxiety, basically. And I don't blame him because. I think that being in this situation and having a lot of pressure put on you as the bullpen guy for the A's, one of the higher paid players on the team, possibly the highest, and struggling to perform with some of these new rule changes, I think that that would put a lot of pressure on anybody, and I feel for the guy. So it sounds like he's been making a pretty good recovery and he has been involved a little bit more with the team recently. We may see him make a return at some point, but at this point, as far as the pitching goes, I think we're pretty much maxed out. We're pretty much maxed out as far as who we can have access to whether it's uh, basically just from calling people up at this point who haven't who we haven't already seen this year essentially unless we want to cut some people or or DFA or try and trade for cash considerations like we did with uh I think Pablo Reyes infielder just recently uh pretty sure we did that just to free up a slot to bring up another reliever I think that was Garrett Acton who we brought up to fill that slot. Just to see if anyone is going to make the steps needed to be the guy on the team. It should at least be a little bit encouraging to A's fans that we're not just sticking with the people who we've got and saying, well, hope they fix it. We are pulling people up. We are doing everything we can to see if anybody can step into these shoes and fill the role. And offensively, we're getting a lot. Pitching, we're getting a little. But hopefully we start seeing some improvements on the pitching side. Well, that's going to be it for today. I actually carried on a little bit longer than I thought I would just going over all of the different performances up to this point that I've been missing out on talking about lately. A lot of good, a lot of bad as well. And I'm just going to leave all of the stadium drama, the moving, all of that, I'm going to leave that for different days, different conversations, and we're just going to leave it here for today. So, 
I hope you enjoyed the return of Athletics Baseball Podcast. I hope you're still finding some enjoyment from these A's at some times. And I hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.